Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. Oh, c- could you could you lower your voice, please, just a little? I'm I'm observing some interesting rituals, and I don't want the participants disturbed. Oh, I'm sorry. Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. In this episode, we're on location with one of our pioneering anthropologists, Dr. Howard Hemingway. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Got it, got it, fascinating. Dr. Hemingway studies what anthropologists call sense-making through collective work and ritual. Now, now just look as if you're not taking any notice. And could you, could you hide that microphone? I, I don't want to add anything artificial into the situation. Yes, uh, I'll turn my back and face away, shall I? Yeah, good idea. Okay, so we're doing what anthropologists call deep field work, and we're amongst the subjects that Dr. Hemingway is studying for his latest project. Could you call me Howard? I prefer to be called Howard. Right, sorry, yes, Howard. Uh, You look as if something particularly fascinating is happening back there. Now that I've turned away, I can't see uh, the... Uh, well, whatever you do, don't call them natives, for God's sake. I wasn't going to. Uh, hold on, hold on, right. There, just as I thought. The young man has been given permission to venture out on his own. Fascinating. After just a few months of acclimatisation, the elders are allowing him to take some responsibility. It suggests that my thesis is correct. It's thrilling. Can I see? Yes, turn around slowly, nonchalantly, if you can. Okay, I'll... there. I see what you mean. And he seems to be carrying something. It's a rite of passage. Is that... I don't think it is. Yes, it is. It's a brand new laptop. Um, excuse me? Are you waiting for someone? What? Sorry? Oh, we're from the uh, South Mims University. It's the anthropology project Mr Sims authorised. Oh, yes. Sorry, I I saw an email about it. I'm new here. Sorry, I just thought you looked um, a a little lost sitting here. You're you're so kind. Uh, You'll get used to be prowling about. Oh, will I? I suppose I will. Okay then. Have a good day. Uh, thank you, Tricia. Oh, 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 yes, my name badge. We've just been issued them. Bye. Dear listeners, I'd better explain. <clears throat> We're in the foyer of one of South Mim's biggest employers, Dark Fire and Life Insurance Company. And Howard here is, uh, well, doing field work to study the benefits of working in an office as opposed to working from home. Let's go to the cafeteria, or, or shall I say the Inspiration Coffee Shop, as it's been rebranded. The cakes are all subsidised. In that case, tally-ho. Battenberg. I haven't had a slice of this in years. The company's been quite clever with its branding of this space. Uh, they chose a kind of 1970s retro feel, and it's proved extremely popular amongst employees. The staff are all wearing flares, as you can see. Mm, clever. Now, Howard, our listeners might be wondering what kind of anthropology you practice here at South Mims. I mean, usually... Anthropologists seek out um, the distant peoples in distant places, don't they? That's the cliché. Of course, the roots of the subject lie in the Victorian urge to study what they considered to be primitive peoples, often the people they were colonising and dominating for economic or political reasons. But the subject has come a long way since then, 
Now we work as hard to try and understand our own societies using anthropological methods. And what are those methods? Observation, trying to see society as if you were a child or even an alien. That sounds very strange, and if I may say so, simplistic. Anthropology and ethnography are, in essence, amazingly simple subjects. If you are to really understand a society or a group of people and how they see the world, you have to shed all your preconceptions and prior knowledge and just observe. As if you were a child learning the world from scratch, or a Martian who has just landed on Earth without any idea of how human society works. Avoid too much theory, just look at what's in front of you, what people are doing. When you approach your studies in that way, you see what's there instead of what you think is there, or hope is there, or even want to impose. I see, that makes sense. But why an insurance company in South Mims? I mean, shouldn't you be out in Borneo or something? Well, the answer is obvious. Dark fire in life is close to home. At the time of this recording, it's almost impossible to travel anywhere due to the effects of the pandemic. And it's also the most fascinating moment to study a corporate office. Why is that? Because many of these people have been working from home for 18 months or so and are only just coming back to work in the office, either every day or only on Sundays. Well, why is that important? My contention is that working from home will not become the new normal, as the cliché goes, because offices are not just places of work. They are places of social integration, inspiration, learning, and what we call sense-making. The office is, perhaps, the most human expression of collective social interaction ever invented. But most people say they don't like going to work. Well, they said that until it was taken away from them. Now, if you look at research done by human resources specialists, it's clear that the majority of people who worked from home during the lockdowns say they want to go back to the office for at least part of the week. Really? That surprises me. Well, listen, finish your cake. Uh, that is your second slice. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you want any more cake, do you? Uh, no, 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 of course not. Well, let's go to the studio and I'll explain what we witnessed just now in the foyer. Yeah, just as, just as soon as my first We're in the studio and, curiously, I already miss the offices of Dark Fire and Life. I think it's the canteen you miss. They had spam fritters on the menu. I'm dying to have them again. Not had them since school. The canteen, as I said, is cleverly thought out. It's designed to give people a sense of fun as well as of ease. And it's a focal point for innovation within the business. Innovation? How so? Well, let's step back a little and talk about two anthropological concepts. The first is habitus. The idea that we are all creatures of our social and physical patterns. The people we engage with and the place in which we engage with them. When everyone was working from home, the interaction between people and spaces changed radically. Suddenly all the spaces were digital and physical interaction was lost. That meant that people had fewer ideas. Can you be sure of that? Well, I can't quantify it, not just yet, but I can surmise that my theory is true by what people have told me during my fieldwork. In the foyer and canteen at that office building. That's what you call fieldwork. Yes, you really must drop the idea that anthropological fieldwork could only happen in a jungle or a desert or high up in the mountains with goat herds. But most people think that. And most people are wrong. With all that's happened over the last decade in so-called developed societies, don't you think observing how our societies work 
is as important? I suspect you're right. So, habitus is vital. It's the place and set of rituals or social practices which help us do the next important thing, which is sense-making. Making sense of the world. Making sense of what's happening, what should happen, and how it could happen. But in an insurance company, they just, well, they push paper from one place to another. It's a very digital business now, right? I'm speaking figuratively. Yes, another unfortunate cliché. Sorry, Well, but... don't worry, don't worry. I'm not criticising you. You're, you're actually making my point for me. You see, life isn't entirely logical. People are not rational. Information is always fragmented. But when people are together in offices, they transcend that irrationality and fragmentation because they can all contribute to solving problems, having new ideas and seeing through the data to the core truth of what people actually do in the world. And working from home stopped that happening? It inhibited it. There were none of those famous, you could call them cliched, water cooler moments. That serendipitous encounter in a lift with a colleague from another department who asks you, how's it going? And you say, I can't understand how to solve a marketing problem. And the other person says, oh, why don't you just something something? And it's a eureka moment you could never get on a Zoom call. Well, why do you need anthropologists to point that out? I mean, we all know that happens in offices. Do we? I'd argue that it's not that obvious. It needs to be encouraged. It also needs to be celebrated. That's how people will change their perception of the office as a place of work. Also, of course, the people who run the office have to make it more, more human, more social, more creative. But don't most people just get their heads down and sit in their cubicles and hardly ever talk to their colleagues? I don't know what your office is like, but most offices are not Dilbert-style intellectual wastelands mired in Kafkaesque bureaucracy. OK. Another cliché. I see your point. We all know that being together with people is the best way to learn something. For instance, think about a, a new printer. You don't know how it works, you're afraid to get it wrong, so you watch other people use it and then you learn. You could read the instruction manual. No one ever reads the instruction manual. Point taken. There's always someone in the team who's adept at technology and you learn from them. And they learn by watching what you're adept at. What are you adept at? Um, asking questions, hosting a podcast. And I've learned a lot from you about that already. Have you? I have. This is your habitus. And I'm making sense of the medium because you're showing me how it works by, well, just making it work. Right. But if we were in a Zoom... Well, then I wouldn't see all this amazing equipment and how you use it. And, and I wouldn't have overheard that slightly heated discussion you had with the producer. Oh, well, we never agree on anything. But you get it done. And by not agreeing, you work out problems, have ideas and deliver a product that people, well, people like. So, watching people argue is sense-making? Watching them argue or agree, watching and listening as they work through a problem and kick ideas around. It's how I could learn to be a creative. And if you were embedded in my anthropology department, you'd learn how to be an anthropologist. Is there evidence that the pandemic undermined all that? Well, there is. Now, I'm not saying people didn't get their work done. They did, and in remarkable circumstances. Information and ideas did get exchanged and debated and revised and improved. So what's up? Well, that incidental information exchange, which is so vital to sociability and creativity and learning. 
the Zoom calls were, for the most part, extremely focused. It was hard to see other people's reactions because most faces were in tiny boxes. People said they were distracted by studying what people's backgrounds were, their flats, houses, gardens and so on. Or well, mostly it was hard to get a word in. Well, exactly, but when you're in a room with people you're getting the vibe, you know, the, the body language, the, the sighs and the groans and the laughter. And that's all part of social learning as well as a spur for creativity. I see. And there are no corridors, lifts, water coolers, kitchen areas, where a hell of a lot of work gets done. I would contend that a simple corridor, which maybe goes from the office to the lifts, could be the most valuable piece of real estate there is. Not joking. I'm not joking. In fact, we should go back to the office and prove it. Let's do it. Okay, so we're just down from the lifts and uh, Howard, I see there's a plaque on the floor here. Oh, read it. It says, This is a spot where Willard Miller came up with the idea for CI84. 24th of May 2003. What is CI84? It's Dark Fire and Life's most profitable insurance policy. Claustrophobia insurance. What? Willard Miller was standing here, waiting for the lift, wondering what idea he could take to a product development meeting up on the 14th floor. He really wanted to go into that meeting with something different, something out of left field, but he just couldn't think of anything. He noticed that a woman was waiting just a few feet away. She was nervous, moving her weight from one foot to the other, sweating just a little bit too much. Willard asked her if she was all right. She said she hated lifts, but the prospect of climbing 12 flights of stairs was just too daunting. And she hated lifts because she had claustrophobia. Yes, so Willard joked, if we could insure you against not just an accident in the lift, but also losing a promotion or even a job because you didn't go to a meeting or fainted before one, would that make you feel better? That tickled the woman's sense of humour and she started laughing. The lift arrived. They both got in. And suddenly... The woman wasn't so nervous. It turned out she was also in the product meeting and she asked Willard to pitch the idea. It doesn't sound like a real insurance product though. All insurance is psychology to a certain extent. You feel safe because you know that if the worst happens you'll get the support to recover, right? Uh, yes, I suppose so. So if you suffer from claustrophobia and that's stopping you doing things you want to do, and which actually might cost you a job or cause you to miss a flight or a boat or whatever, but you knew that the insurance would pay out, then you'd feel better, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. Worth £5 a month, right? I suppose so. So Willard designed the policy and it's sold in its millions around the world and no one claims, or hardly anyone, it's hugely profitable. And all because of an encounter by the lift? All because of an incidental information exchange in a place of sense-making, yes. Fascinating. And now, let's go to the atrium. They have a great view of South Mims from up there. Oh, we're actually going into the lift, are we? Well, yes. Uh, does, does that bother you? Um, uh, mm. don't, don't worry. We're insured. 